Lord, make me small and make yourself big. Amen. That's my prayer. As you know, last Tuesday when we were at youth, I did state the, the phrase that I will preach on this verse right here. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. However, this verse, even though it's written in Proverbs 31, let's open up to Proverbs 31. We're going to read several verses to kind of see the whole entire context. Verse 27 through 31, if you have your Bibles, open it. If you have a neighbor who doesn't, share with them. It says these words, Proverbs 31, verse 27. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Amen. I would like to say this disclaimer. Even though this proverb is speaking about woman, this message is not just geared towards the sisters. It will be geared just as much, if not more, to the brothers. Okay, so in the beginning of the year, we spoke about that our main topic and focus theme throughout the whole entire year will be on pursue God. Pursue God with each and every single cell and fiber that you have in your body. Not just sisters, brothers too. Pursue God. Pursue Him. Get to know Him. But we need to understand exactly what is Proverbs saying here? What is King Solomon writing to us? I do believe it was Solomon. He says this concerning towards the young woman. She looks to her household, meaning she's attentive. She doesn't ignore the surroundings which surround her. She pays attention. She doesn't turn a blind eye if someone is in need of help in her house. She doesn't turn to the other side when she needs and sees that the neighbor is in need. You may ask yourself the question, I don't have a house. I'm not a wife. I am not a queen, so on and so forth. So how does this pertain to me? Well, the example and the answer to that is simple. You are still part of a household. And besides the fact that you are in your parents' household, where you ought to pay attention and be attentive with your mom and your father and the siblings, you are also part of the household of God. And you are also to pay attention in the house of of God to there where it needs attention. Be attentive to the needs of those around you, not just yourself. Don't focus just on yourself. Focus on the needs of those who are around. And this also is for you, brothers. Do not pay attention to the needs of only yourselves, but also to those who are around Pay attention to those. Let's go further. There's no idleness. She's always productive. What does it mean to be idle? I-D-L-E or idleness. Practice idleness. Stand still. Any guys here who are car fans? 
What does the engine do when it's idling? Other than standing still. There's zero production. All it is is standing there and it's working, but it's going absolutely nowhere. It's not being productive where it's supposed to go. So this woman, right here in Proverbs, is always productive. She doesn't know what it is to be idle. Have you ever met a person who seems to be busy, but they did absolutely nothing? There's plenty of them. I'll be honest with you, in our society, in our time, it's almost as if, if you just Google work, right? And you look at the images, you'll see these images of, of people working, mostly in the office, and you'll see captions, how to make yourself look busy but not actually work. I'm sure all of you are laughing because there's a truth to that. We've all seen it, we've experienced it. But this woman, she's never idle. She's always productive. She's not spending her time uselessly on Instagram, on Facebook, seven, eight hours a day doing absolutely nothing. She's producing something. She's giving something. And this is also for you brothers. Sitting and twiddling around doing nothing, being unproductive is a sin. So therefore, be productive. She's called blessed. Blessed means God's favor is upon you. Meaning she's spiritual. She understands her purpose. She understands her reason. She understands why she's created. She understands the meaning of her life. She understands who she is at the proper moment. And she understands her role. She understands her role before God. She understands her role in society. She understands her role in the family. And she understands that it is God who is first and number one. Therefore, she is called blessed. Let's bring up Mary as an example. When Gabriel came before Mary, what did he say? Blessed are you. Highly favored for you found favor in the sight of God. You can say whatever you want, but the greatest compliment you can ever receive in your life is when the Holy God comes before you and says, You are blessed. You are highly favored. The whole world can go against you, but if God says that, then who can go against it? No one. And I'm sure each and every single one of us here would love to hear exactly what Mary heard. Besides the scorn, besides what she took, and we know she took it because later on when Christ was standing before the Pharisees, the Pharisees would say, well, we know who our father is, but for this man, for this man, we don't know where he's from. Let's go further. Blessed. Fruit of her hands. Look at your hands. All of you, please look at your two hands. I can only look at one right now. The other's occupied. But if you took a look at both of your hands, what do your hands do on a daily basis? Do they serve you? Do your hands do what you want them to do or not? You see the fruit of her hands. She's industrious. And this is not only to you, sisters, but this is to you, brothers, as well. Industrious. Repeat it after me. Industrious. What does industrious mean? Always creating. 
Always producing. Always being able to give something. Well, how can you give something unless you have something? You can only give something if you have something to give. If you have nothing to give, you can't give anything. That message is for the brothers as well. Her works praise her. Her works follow her. The works praise her, as it says in 31. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. So her works praise her, meaning the works follow her. Say works follow. All together. Let's say it one more time. Works follow. What is that picture right there? You know what that is? Let's say it together. Cemetery, right? That's actually where most of our church members are currently buried. You see, there's a verse in Revelations 14, 13 that says, For their deeds followed them. Their deeds followed them. What do all these people have in common? They're dead. What else? Okay, yeah, they went to our church. What else? Their deeds follow them. That's right. Their deeds follow them. When you go through these stones and you look at each and every single person, each and every single person is preaching. You agree or not? Absolutely. Why are they preaching? Because you look by, you walk by, you look and you see person number one. For example, my grandma's in there. I'm pretty sure my grandma's there. I tried looking for it. I couldn't find it. But anyways, it doesn't matter because she's with the Lord. So you look at the person and you see the tombstone and you remember their life. You remember what they said. You remember what they did. You don't remember what they didn't do because that doesn't matter if they didn't do it. You remember what they did. You remember how they lived. You remember absolutely everything, those kind deeds. But there's another thing. You can walk by another cemetery and you can see tombstones of evil people. Usually they get no honor. But nonetheless, what follows them? Their dark deeds. Everyone remembers what Stalin did. Everyone remembers what Hitler did. In the same way, people know what these people do, what they have done. So their deeds follow them. We can bring up examples in Scripture in the book of Acts. There was a woman by the name of Tabitha. She died. And when she was dead, all these people who knew her, her friends, were holding clothes and crying and holding the cloths and saying, Oh, we miss our friend Tabitha. She's dead. She's no longer with us. But all these, these cloths that she made, she made for us. We remember it. We remember what she's done, and they're remembering her for what she did until she came back. Her name was Dorcas also. But nonetheless, they were comforting one another for what she did. Their deeds followed them. When the apostle Paul was still young, he was named Saul, he was giving his approval of Stephen, who was being stoned for Christ, Stephen prayed, Stephen then died, but that prayer continued forward. And later on, that Saul became into Apostle Paul and became 
one of the biggest and greatest evangelists for Christianity. Their deeds followed them. Even though Stephen died, his works followed. So now let's look at the brothers, what he does. We talked about what she does. We're going to talk about what he does. What about your deeds? What do you do? Where are your deeds? You may say, I'm young. It's okay. There's no excuses. You got to start somewhere. You got to start doing something. You have to move forward. Recently, I was at a funeral service from a, uh, there was about, I don't know, 55, 60 people. It wasn't too many. I do remember the young man, though, and he passed away due to an overdose at the age of 27. You stop and think, and I do remember him from church years ago. You stop, you think, you examine. Where were the deeds? Where did they start? What was going on here at age 12, 13, 15, so on and so forth, 18, 20? Take it as a lesson for yourself. I'm sure you know, you've heard of people who died from overdoses, from drugs. You walk through the cemetery I showed, and you'd be shocked to see how many young brothers are buried there. Car wrecks, bike wrecks, quad wrecks, DUI, DUI, DUIs, you name it. It's, it's not something that's fun, but when you walk through the cemeteries and you see that, they're still preaching something that they did. Please take a lesson for yourself. Don't think you're going to live forever. Each and every single one of us will die, and people will remember. One day I will die, and people will remember me. What do I want people to remember me as? I look at my wife and I ask her, what, do you, what will you remember me as? Let's keep going. And first, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6. I want to read this for the brothers. Sisters, listen, this is for you also. Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor we worked night and day, that we may not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we did not have the right, but to give you and ourselves an example to imitate for even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Amen. Amen. question for you. Are you lazy or are you hardworking? When the Apostle Paul says these words to the church of Thessalonica, he says, we gave you an example. We worked at night. We worked in the day. We didn't ask for bread from you. We paid for ourselves. There was no food stamps. There was no welfare. We toiled. We worked. We earned it. We paid it. 
and we're giving you an example how we Christians ought to be. Apostle Paul not only preached, but his life was a sermon by the works that he did. Not idle, not lazy, working hard. So, here's one thing I want you to remember. If you cannot give to God, do not expect to give to your future wife. If you cannot be generous to God who gives you all things, do not expect that you will wake up one morning and say, Oh, I'll be generous to my wife. You won't. And if you think you are generous towards her, that's probably because you have a selfish ambition. So, look over your lives. You are young, but you are able and capable of working and giving. But if you're too young, we'll go further. We'll speak about this. You are also created as spiritual beings, brothers. Jesus Christ, he is the creator of the universe. Okay, It says in Hebrews 1 and John chapter 1, Christ is the creator. He made us, and when he created mankind, he established the family. He created all that before the church was created, before the church was established, thousands of years prior. So each and every single one of you, brothers and sisters, were created as spiritual beings to worship God, to praise him, to thank him, to seek him. It's something that the spouse will never, ever able to take away because God created us in such a way where we need to seek him first and foremost. A spouse will never fulfill you or fill you like God does. Say amen. And if you don't believe me, look at the divorce rates. That's all you need to look at. So you gentlemen... Brothers, practice generous living. It starts young. I remember when I was in Sunday school. Oh, this was probably 10, 12 years ago. I was one of the early teachers, right? And uh, there was a project in Sunday school, and they said, we need to raise uh, $3,000 or more, whatever, and we really need the Sunday school to fund this project. Well, everyone's broke all the time, right? God put it in my heart to, to give. And so... Everybody raised, each department had to raise a certain amount. And I said, okay, I'm going to do a large section, a percentage of it. I come into the meeting and, and I heard friends laughing and saying, oh, I'll give $5. Oh, I only got $1. But God put on my heart to give much more. I came, I gave it to the person that was in charge. And the person said, wow, you're covering the rest. I said, yes, I just want to practice this. It's for God. I want to give to him the labor of my work for those months. Okay, great. It still stands. Nobody knows. Nobody needs to know. That's the great thing about it. And nobody really cares either. The point is this. I want this to be an encouragement. Practice giving. Practice giving. Scripture teaches us, and this is mostly to the brothers because it is the brothers who have to support the family and have to make the money to provide, to fill, you name it, okay? And it starts young, give, be generous, practice generosity. It says in God's word, work so that you can share with those who are in need. Work, work. 
So you're young, working, schooling, ministry, learning, do it all at the same time. Go work 30, 40, 50 hours a week. Go to school at the same amount of time. Do ministry, learn, all these things. What's stopping? What's stopping you? Look, if Apostle Paul worked all night and all day, do you have a reason to say, hey, I'm greater, I don't have to? Absolutely not. Work, serve, learn, keep growing. Fill your life, not with idleness, but with being productive, fruitful, effective, and efficient for God's glory. You'll be of age soon to get married. Some of you are, but what are you doing now to get there? You see, in our lives, we're always getting somewhere. We're always striving towards something. I now am a father. I have five children. Seven, six, four, two, not one, right? So they're one after the other. Besides the bills, besides the payments and everything I have to do, I also have to feed them, and I also have to take care of their spiritual needs. And thinking ahead, I know that within 10 years, my oldest will be 17, and then 16, and then 14, and they're going to go one after that. What am I doing right now, today, 10 years from then, to get myself and them prepared for that? Let's give it 15 more years. They'll be 22, 21. What if they're married? Will I have finances to cover their wedding or help them? Will they have a house to live in or not? What am I doing right now to help them at that time? The one that is nine months, the one that is two, am I praying for their salvation now? No, I was actually praying with my wife while they were in the womb. You're always going somewhere. Right now you have this perfect platform. You're at your folks. You're living in a place where you're not paying for rent. You're not paying for food. The only thing you pay for is yourself. Use it as a platform to launch off for the future family. Start now. Start young. You won't regret it. You'll be there soon. What are you doing now to get there? And that's also for you, sisters. What are you doing now to get there? Are you spending time in prayer for you brothers as well? Are you seeking God? Are you pursuing God? If you are not pursuing God, what makes you think you can be a spiritual vessel with your spouse when both of you come together? Let's talk next. A woman is not. A woman is not an object. I want everybody to remember that, especially the brothers. Sisters, remember that also. You are not an object. The reason I say that is because pornography is so vastly accessible and used that when the male or the female look at the images, the videos, whatever it is, when they are drenched in this porn, they begin to objectify the other gender. They began to think, well, it's not really a person. That's not a person. I could do whatever I want with them. Who cares? It's just another tool. Remember when I spoke about how we are created as spiritual beings first? That's what we are, spiritual beings. We're not objects. There's no such thing as a pretty boy. And if you're a pretty boy, become a man. If you think you're a, a pretty girl and that's all you have, become a woman of God. 
not an object. Women are not used for self-gain. Brothers, if you think that you can use a woman, use a sister, remember, these sisters here are also daughters of God. They're also your sisters in Christ. And same thing with you, sisters. When you look at the brothers, whether they're older or younger, they are brothers in Christ. To those who are in Christ, honor that, respect it, remember it. They're not used, women, girls, sisters are not used for accomplishments. If you think, you know, there are times when guys had books. I knew guys who had lists of girls that they did. All the girls they slept with, they kept their names as if it was a trophy or an accomplishment. That's sick. That's wrong at every single level. They're not objects. They're sisters in Christ. Can you repeat that? Let's just, you're all, some of you are sleeping. Let's say, repeat it. Say, sisters in Christ. Okay, they're not. They're awake. Sisters, say brothers in Christ. Praise God. That's what you are to one another. Not used for accomplishments or self-gain. You're brothers and sisters. The world right now is absolutely obsessed with beauty, with status, with the looks, with the flesh, with the revealing of everything. My question to you is, is that really they have to offer? I think it's absolutely disturbing and disgusting when the woman in church dresses away to attract attention of the opposite gender to herself. Horrible. As if really there's nothing else. Let's talk about the works. Where are the deeds? Where are the good works that you can profess? But it's also for the guys, too. Being just a pretty boy and doing absolutely nothing is wrong. And this is the whole reason for this topic. Because of New Year's, when talking to a young guy, he says, I don't want to do it. I don't want to work. Yeah, you're hot, but you're lazy. Shame on you. Don't be lazy. Work. Give. You're created to be a giver, to be a servant. Amen? Let's go on dating now. I want to speak a little bit about this, dating limits. I know it's 9 o'clock. Is it okay if I go just a bit over? I really like to usually end on time, but hey, you know, fob night. Earlier the churches were like three hours long, so hey, let's go, right? <laughs> dating limits and friendships. New Year's night, it's fun. Sobering, fun, you name it. But my wife and I are sitting together, and you know, women have this gift. I'm going to tell you right now, sisters. You can sense something or someone a mile away. The guys are totally dumb to that, but the woman can sense it. So if my wife says, hey, that person, avoid them. You know what that means? Avoid them. Dave Ramsey says, if I don't listen to my wife, minimum 10,000 mistake. I lose 10,000 automatically when I don't listen to her. Why? Because scripture gave us Proverbs 31. 
What is the godly wife like? What is her counsel like? So in any case, here I am sitting with my wife, right? And we're observing and we see young sisters ditching their friends. And by the way, it's not just last, it's not just this last New Year's. It was the previous one too. We sat at a table with the girl. Her friend completely dumped her and just ran off. And she's sitting by herself, flew all the way from Missouri for nothing. So here are these sisters ditching their friends to run off and sit with some boy. They're dating. They're a couple. They're sitting together on New Year's. And their friends that they have are ghosted. Hey, you're not cool right now because I got a date on New Year's. And so you see friends avoiding each other because they want to hang out with the guy. They want to hang out with the girl. Hey, here's my thing. Honestly, that's very boring especially when it comes to youth events, New Year's youth events, and so on and so forth, because you limited yourself to one person. And all your friends, that, by the way, you'll text soon too, they're ghosted. Why strain a relationship over one person? That I don't understand. It's almost as if you have no more fun, because, hey, i got to pretend like I'm married. I got to really just grab him. I got to peck him on the cheek. I saw that. I got to peck him on the forehead. I don't know why dating, it doesn't equate to marriage. Marriage is not that, okay? I don't peck my wife in front of people. I don't need to kiss my wife in front of everyone. Let me give you a personal story, and I want this to... To, to be remembered. When I began to date my wife, I never held her hand when we were young, married or engaged in front of any of her friends. And she'd be so upset. She'd say, why? So your friends are single. You're not. You're not bragging. You're not showing off. You're going to be considerate and respectful. It was those same friends that you all prayed together for each other to have a spouse. We're going to be godly, and we're going to have a distance not to upset them. You can say whatever, but I believe that that was very considerate for her, for me. If and when you become married or engaged, they're not trophies. They're not objects. They're people. They're a spouse, a child of God. Amen? If you have a boyfriend, if you have a girlfriend, they're not someone to show off. Here, look, everyone, look. Temptations. I want everybody to say this out loud. Kissing leads to babies. I think that is one of the best phrases I have ever heard growing up as a teen. Because the question is, well, it's not really a sin to kiss, is it? Yeah, but, but, well, it's not bad to hold hands. Yeah, but, it goes up, it travels up from the hand to the side. 
to the grabbing, to the kissing, more grabbing, you name it. Use your imaginations if you think you can. Goes towards the baby making. I don't, I'm not ashamed or embarrassed to talk about this. But you need to hear this. Because that's exactly what happens. So if you think you can play with fire on your lap and not get burnt, you're wrong. Proverbs says you can't. Go ahead. Light a match. Get some newspapers on fire. Throw them on your lap and see if you're going to be okay. You won't. In the same way, when you start dating, and look, here, I'm going to make a disclaimer. Of course you're going to date because you want to get to know the person. We'll get there. We already talked about how dating limits friendships. And then, and then all of a sudden you're looking, who's going to be my bridesmaid? Who's going to be my groomsmen? You'd be surprised. I thought I had no friends. When I was younger, I'm like, no, I'll never be a groomsman. I was a groomsman 11 times in my career. 11. I have never met a person that groomed more than I did. And honestly, like eight of the times, it felt like rent a groomman. Here you go. Just pay, by the way, so you can be my groomsman. You owe me 500 bucks. And so I calculate. I'm like, man, I lost like $10,000 being a groomsman for guys I didn't even really want to be a groomsman for. And I don't know where they are right now in life. That's the point. You date two, three, four, five years. I'm against that. You have no friends. You look around. I got to rent someone. That's honestly true. Look, we'll talk about dating later on but, and how to do it in a safe way. But remember, temptations. Don't play with it. Don't play with it at all. I've heard, I've had where one sister one time was confessing, and it wasn't supposed to be. I didn't even expect a confession session. But she began to pour out, and all I did, it was a mess. You know, one of those messes? I just wept and wept, and it wasn't like a pretty cry. It was like, you name it, everything, because she was so broken. And then I said, look, we're going to pray. I'm going to pray for you because I don't know what else to do. 45 minutes, I was just praying for her. After this, because it was no more to do that, right? I looked at her, and she's just, I can't look. Don't, don't look, don't look, don't look. Broken, broken, broken. So you're dating. What if it doesn't work out? You know, here's the thing. Uh, this young generation, that's a lot of you, you think... Oh, I'll date two, three, four, five months. What's the intentions of that anyway? What's your intentions of dating? Okay, you're going into long-term dating. What's the intentions of that? What if it doesn't work out? Your photographs, your pecs. I remember this teacher when I was in the seventh grade, Miss Wilder. God bless her heart. She said this. I'll never forget it. She says, when you kiss one person, and then it doesn't work out, you go on to the next person, it doesn't work out. You go to the third, you'll start comparing who kissed better. You get married, and you'll never forget. It's there, back of your mind. Can't come out. Why? Because you got the deeds. It's done. 
You'll be comparing. You'll hate it. You'll be comparing. I want to bring up Andre Condor to come up here. I got an example. Uh, can, can we have Andre come up? Is that okay, Andre? You're going to be, you're going to be, uh, let's pretend you're Andy, okay? And I'm going to be Katie, because I won't use anybody else's name. I'll use uh, my family's name, okay? So everybody pretend I'm Katie, okay? It's very hard. I'm Andy, by and the way. And he's Andy. This is me, Andy. Okay. Andy Ivansov. Yeah, Andy Ivansov Andy and Katie Ivansov. Ivansov. Okay, so I'm Katie, just using our own names, okay? This is uh, not replicating anything, but I want you to remember this image. Hey, I'm Katie. What's your name? Uh, I'm Andy. Nice to meet you, Katie. You too. You too. So, look, I really like you, Andy. Okay. And okay. Uh, I think we should get married. Hey, I'm, I'm open to the idea, Katie, yes. Thank you, Andy. Yeah, so, so here, I, I got something, though. But what is this? This what is, is this? called baggage. Ooh, what's, what's, what's all this? Uh, I need to know before I uh, say Inside, yes. here, here, can, can I just open and explain it to you? Here, I'm going to do this. I'm just going to put it down, and I'm going to open it. And I'm going to spin it around oh like boy. this, okay? So only us see. Right, yeah. Okay, this right here is a past relationship. His name is Alex. He didn't work out, huh? Uh, nope. No, long story. Here, uh, this one right here is his name, Alex 2.0. Ooh, Alex 2.0. I'll just... He fell, he obviously. Fell, yeah. Work accident. Fell apart. Fell okay. Apart, yeah. um, here, right here, is... Uh, I, for, I don't even remember his name. I, yeah, it's just one of those. You know, okay. One of those. Okay. Don't remember. Oh, so that's three. Is there more? Oh, look, there's... Oh. I got baggage inside of baggage. <laughs> I mean, that's deep. We got more suitcases inside of that, but I don't, I don't want to open that one up. You know, Kate? No, no, hold, hold up. Okay. Hold up. I'm not done. This right here, well, you know, there's this verse that King David once said, and Job also said it. It says, oh, Lord, forgive me for the sins of my youth. So in here, it's not relationships, but bad mistakes like alcohol, drugs. Um, I can't even open it up. I'm so embarrassed. Here, let me just put it to the side there. You still want to marry me? But hey, Andy, check this out. I got good news for you, right? So I'll just put this baggage back inside the baggage bag, okay? And uh, I'll just throw it in here. Here, just watch. Watch me do it. So, yeah, my, my mistakes, my fails, my, my, my past, the things I've done, the relationships that didn't work. I'll just shove it all back in this baggage right here, and I'll just close it up, right? All the unholy things that I've ever done, close it up. And, hey, Eric, you still want to marry me? Come here, Andy, come here. The great news is this baggage has wheels. We can roll it. We can drag it 
It also has handles. Here, carry grab that handle. Okay. We can carry it together, but the bad news is I can never get rid of it. It's going to be between us forever. Are you still okay to marry me? Still okay? I'm okay. Yeah. yeah you just, sure? You sure? If the Lord forgave you. <laughs> you could take the baggage then and take it there. Thank you, Andre. <laughs> Thank you for carrying it. Say God bless you to Andre. There you go. I want this baggage example to be with you forever. Because if you think I can do whatever I want when I'm young and when I get married, no one will ever know, it comes up. It'll open up. It'll follow you. Those deeds, the cemetery, everything I showed, it follows. We can't get rid of it. It's behind us. I know you guys know these comments, these titles, cliches. You slap on the girl, dirty title, rebuilt, used and abused. Who has never said that before? Y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. Don't think that you guys and you girls, sisters and brothers, think that you could just sweep it under a rug. It's going to go away. Never. Don't lie to yourself. It says in Galatians 6-7, do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will also reap. That will he also reap. Whatever your decisions happen, they're going to follow you. It may not be right away in a year, two, three, or five, but 10, 15, 20 years later, it's going to come up. And you're going to need counseling. And you're going to need prayer. And you're going to seek God why didn't it happen earlier? Young youth, listen to the words of God when he says these words. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. There's a law. You sow it, you'll reap it. Whether we like it or not. You sow good, you reap good. You sow bad, you reap bad. That's God's word. That's how it works out. You're going to go into marriage one day. Do you want that baggage between you or not? You're going to tell your spouse, look, I am what I am. Take me as I am. You can lie, but then the honesty is not there in the relationship. You can say, well, you took me as I am. Yeah, you did. you got to work on it now. It could be great first year. Three, four, five. It comes up. Things come up. Don't deceive yourself. Don't lie. Don't think you'll get away with it. You won't. So going forward, get to know each other in public places. I love New Year's event for the reason of this. When you're working in the cleanup, you see the people who are cleaning and working. When, you see, when you're at the event and you're serving and you're giving and you're sharing, you see those who are dedicated, who love to serve, who want to give, who want to share. If you want to date, do it in public places. Get to know each other in public. Because if you go to a restaurant and you sit across the table, hey, look, you will tell each other everything you want to hear. And the person's perfect. The lights are dimmed. They even look so much prettier. But when you go to a restaurant with a group of people, you're going to see 
that person's sincere, that person's generous, that person, stay away. But together, everyone on alone time is just so great. Get to know each other in public places. Work together in events. I one time said this phrase that people are attracted to each other, not by their looks, but by their scent, believe it or not. When you work with each other, there's some chemistry there between the body odor. I don't know what happens, but you all of a sudden look at each other like, whoa. She's a keeper. She's a worker. He's a worker. He's not just a talker. He's not just a pretty boy. He's not, she's not just a pretty girl. They actually have something that they can give. They have some intellect up here. They got some work ethics here. They got some heart in here. Work with people together. Work together in events. Everyone's perfect on a date, but when you work together, you see each other. Be friends. Be friends. We said it earlier. The sister said brothers in Christ. Brother said sisters in Christ. Be friends. Just because somebody asks you out on the first date does not say, does not mean, I love you. No. Just be friends. Give it a shot. Oh, well, if you don't like the guy. Oh, well, if you don't like the girl. If you want to go on a date one time, tell somebody, hey, hold me accountable. I'm going on a date with this guy. If you're of age and your intentions are correct, find a partner where you can hold yourself accountable, an older sibling, a parent. Youth pastor, look, I've prayed, I fasted for some of you before. It's okay, come up. I only wish the best. Find someone. Find a minister that you trust. Be friends with each other. Okay, you're in youth. Enjoy the time with each other. This is the most beautiful time you have in your life. I look back. My wife and I look back. We've been married almost nine years. We look back and we remember everything from youth. I remember, and there's one thing I wish I did more. I wish I sang in choir more. I wish I served more. I wish I dedicated myself and pursued God more than I did. So why is beauty and charm deceitful and vain? You know the answer to that? It'll never save you. One day, you'll grow old. Sisters, brothers, you'll grow old. My wife was telling me yesterday that when Queen Elizabeth was old, she plastered herself so much, right? The Queen of England, she was known as the Virgin Queen. She was never married. She was good. She was a good queen. But she was so, you can call vanity, she was so old, she didn't want people to see her old face that everybody had to stay at a distance to see her, to remember her beauty. She died. Her beauty and charm never saved her. It will never save you either. So there's hope in the cross of Jesus Christ. So you ask the question, look, I slipped. I screwed up. I messed up. You don't know my life. I don't need to know your life. That man who hung on the cross, Jesus Christ, knows your life. Nothing is hidden from his sight. All things are naked and laid bare to the one who created you made you, and died on the cross for you, and wants you to have eternal life. If you messed up, if you sinned, if you are in a relationship right now that causes you to sin, repent. If you are drinking, if you are smoking, if you are in a sexual activity where you should not be, repent. Repent. Because word of God tells us that God's will for us is our sanctification. What is that? That means being set apart for God, being set apart for holiness. That's what God wants you and me to be.
Don't think marriage is a way out or an escape. Don't think that practicing beauty or whatever is an escape. It will never save you. Come to Christ. You get married, you still have to go to Christ. It says in Malachi 2.15, God said that a portion of my spirit is in their union. When you become married, your union is with Christ and in Christ. You want to be blessed? Christ lives between you two. And even in the marriage, the limits and the boundaries and the borders are even stronger, higher, and more necessary than a single life. There's hope in Christ. If you slipped, if you slipped, messed up, come to Christ. There's healing, there's forgiveness that comes only with Christ Jesus. Only Christ can save you. If you feel like, if you understand and know that you need to repent or say sorry to the opposite gender, do so. If you think, you know, I really did something wrong to my sister, Ask her an apology. If you sisters did something, and some of you sisters can be just as wicked, if not just as much as the guys, because girls can be rude. Repent to the boys too. Brothers and sisters in Christ, remember that. Healing, forgiveness comes with Christ. You think, look, she don't know my baggage. I don't need to though. You're going to go into a relationship? Be open. Say everything. Here's everything I've done. I want to be sincere and honest, and I want to start my relationship right with God, with you. Go to Christ together. Do life together. Have Christ in the midst of it all. And there is healing, hope, and love in Christ. Amen? Amen. Please remember this, okay? I feel like I said enough. I don't have anything else to say. Let's stand for prayer. Father, we thank you.